Hello, this is Pastor Masita from Fellow Helpers Ministries bringing you another podcast from the Pastor Study, Biblical Lessons in the Battlefield of Life from a retired pastor of 45 years who was saved after serving as a Staff Sergeant Airborne Ranger in Vietnam. My testimony is shared in podcast number one. It's my desire to share with you lessons the Lord has taught me over my years of living as a Christian and serving as a pastor. These podcasts are intended to whet your appetite for further personal Bible study. They'll be short, 20 to 30 minutes, and having your Bible and something to jot down notes might be helpful. If you have any questions, you can contact me by email. It's masitofhm at gmail.com. That's M-A-S-I-T-T-O-F-H-M at gmail.com. Today, I would like to cover a passage of scripture that I find very sad. It's in Mark chapter 10, if you have your Bibles, and you can look it up and starts at verse 17 and goes down through verse 22. It's interesting because you may have noticed that we didn't do a podcast last week. Well, we actually did it, but it didn't get uploaded. And I believe there was a reason for that because I tried to cover verses 17 all the way through verse 31, and it was just too much. I had to go through it too quickly. So when it didn't upload, I thought, perfect, we'll be able to break this into two lessons instead of one, which would be much better to understand. So with that introduction, let me just say what this is about today. Today, in covering this passage that I've already referred to that I feel is very sad, Jesus appears to call what I call a 13th disciple in Mark chapter 10. But this rich young ruler, rather than following Jesus, walks away grieved. His misconceptions kept him from salvation. But not only do we see his misconceptions that Jesus deals with in verses 17 through 22 of Mark 10, But then there are also some misconceptions of the disciples that he deals with. And then we also see some misconceptions of Peter that he deals with, taking us up to verse 31. So in this session, we're only going to be looking at the misconception of the rich young ruler. Uh, Next session, we'll go ahead and take a look at the disciples as well as Peter. Well, with that introduction, let's go ahead and read the passage of Scripture, the 13th disciple, part 1 and then have a word of prayer. Mark 10, verse 17. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came running and kneeling to him, and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, thou shalt not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, Do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then in verse 21, Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and take up the cross and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved for he had great possessions. Shall we pray? Our Father in heaven, we just desire to pray as we begin this study because we know without the working of the Holy Spirit, making the scriptures true to us, real to us, and revealing to us our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, our study would be just uh, in vain, just words and mumbled words. But Father, we come to you in prayer and ask that your Holy Spirit would guide and direct our thoughts and that what we would learn today would encourage our hearts in thee. 
and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. As we take a look at this uh, lesson on the 13th disciple, there are some introductory points that I need to make that will help us understand the passage much better. And the first introduction I'd like to make is this. This fellow was a rich young ruler. If you have a good study Bible, you'll see that reference in the top of the uh, category of the verses, but you won't notice all those three characteristics just in this one chapter. In fact, if you go back to Matthew chapter 19, verse 22, Matthew chapter 19, verse 22, you'll learn about his age. In Matthew 19, verse 22, it says this. It says, but when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And there we find our key, he was a young man. You'll also find in the book of Luke, in chapter 18, verse 18, about his status as regarding a ruler. In Luke chapter 18, and verse 18, it says this, And a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And then when you go back to our passage in Mark chapter 10, and you see that in verse 22, that he was rich. Matthew also made reference to that, didn't he? And when you take a look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 22, it says, And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. So that's why the title in some of your study Bibles would say, Here we have a rich young ruler. Because putting together all three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we see that description of him. Now, the second thing I'd like to cover just briefly is this. You'll remember that a disciple is a personal follower of Jesus Christ. And an apostle is one of the 12 that was called to serve Christ in a special way. And when I take a look at this first part of our lesson here and talk about the 13th disciple... I'm thinking about the call that the Lord Jesus gave to those initial apostles before they began to follow him. It was actually the beginning of their following of him. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, let's take our Bible and go to Matthew chapter 4. I'm sure this will ring a bell with you when we go to Matthew chapter 4. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 20, we see the Lord Jesus Christ calling Simon Peter and Andrew, his brother, to be his disciples. Here's what we read, beginning at verse 18, Matthew chapter 4. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren. Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, here's our key, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And straightway they left their nets and followed him. You'll also notice just following that in the same chapter, Matthew chapter 4, there's the call of James and John. Verse 21 says this, And going on from thence, he saw two other brethren, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And immediately they left their ship of their father and followed him. So there's that expression when Jesus is calling out his disciples, he is saying, follow me, and they then follow him. You'll also notice that in Luke. Well, no, let's go to Mark. You'll see it in Matthew, but I'll show it to you in Mark chapter 2, verse 14. Matthew, the tax collector, was called in this fashion. And it's in Mark chapter 2, verse 14, or Matthew chapter 9, verse 9 has account of it also. 
But as we go to Mark chapter 2, and we take a look at verse 9, we read these words. Oh, um, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 2, verse 14, I'm sorry. And uh, here we find the call of Matthew or Levi, and it says in verse 14, And as he, that is Jesus, passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom, and saith unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. Now, if you've done much study in the Bible at all, you'll recognize that Simon Peter and Andrew and James and John and Matthew and a number of others also followed the call of Jesus and were his disciples. And out of his disciples then, he chose 12 to be his apostles. Now, it interests me because when we look at our passage of scripture about the rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22, we find the same thing taking place. It says in verse 21, Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And he says, He loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give it to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And here's our phrase, Come, take up the cross, and follow me. So the same wording that called Simon and Andrew and James and John and Matthew is used here, but rather than this rich young ruler following Jesus, it says, verse 22, and he was sad at the saying and went away grieved for he had great possessions. So we take a look, and that's why I've said this is, quote, or with a question mark, the 13th disciple, uh, it's an interesting thing to see that this young man was called by Jesus, but he didn't follow Jesus. And I believe there's a reason for that. And the reason is he had some misconceptions. You know, we all have misconceptions from time to time, don't we? And what is the definition of a misconception? Well, a misconception is a view or opinion that is incorrect because it is based on faulty thinking or understanding. It is a view or opinion that is incorrect because it is based on faulty thinking or understanding. And in our passage in this session, we're going to see that the rich young ruler had three misconceptions that Jesus sought to clarify for him, which would have made him a follower of Christ. But he walked away with those misconceptions and never became a follower of Christ. And as we're looking at this, we must ask ourselves, do we have some of these misconceptions too? And are they hindering us from our following him? So first of all, in our outline, which is point number one today, next session will be point two and three, there's the misconception of the rich young ruler. What was it that he did not understand? Well, the first thing we note is in verses 18, 17 and 18. The first misconception is this. Jesus is more than just a teacher. He is God. Jesus is more than just a teacher. He is God. Listen to verses 17 and 18 again. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running, that's the rich young ruler, and kneeled to him and asked him, now here's how he addressed Jesus, good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Now Jesus saith unto him, verse 18, why callest thou me good? Now, that may seem a little strange to us, but it wasn't strange to the Jewish mind at all, 
because that word good was a good that was reserved for God. And so he is saying, well, why are you using that word with me as a teacher calling me good? Do you believe I'm God? And then Jesus continues to say, there's none good but one that is God. Now, that wasn't meaning that Jesus was denying he was God. It actually means Jesus was reaffirming that he was God. This young ruler kneeled, which was a proper thing to do to worship God. This young ruler addressed him as good, which was a proper thing to do as God. But this rich young ruler had a misconception, thinking that, that he was a teacher, and he was more than a teacher. He was God. He was the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the Savior of the world. Now, I think I can share that with you in that phrase uh, where he says, there's none good but one, that is God, therefore I am God. But I want you to see something else. And I think you may have heard this in the past, but we're going to take a moment and just review it here. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ is the God-man. He was fully God and fully man. He lived the sinless life. Because of his sinless life, he was able to die on the cross of Calvary. And by receiving him as our Savior, he pays for our sin. Uh, we see that in John chapter 1, for example, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You notice the Word is capitalized, and of course God is capitalized, and this is referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. How do we know that? Well, look at verse 14. And the Word, capitalized, was made flesh and dwelt among us. How was the Word made flesh? Jesus Christ came in the flesh, his incarnation. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the begotten, only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And then when you look at verse 18, no man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. So what we're seeing is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ was God. He was the one who was the Word. He was the one that was the Word made flesh. He was the one that took on flesh so he could communicate to us the things that God desired for us to know. The best illustration I heard of that was Paul Harvey years and years ago. I've just got to share it with you. He talked about a man that uh, didn't believe in church, didn't believe in going, to, didn't believe in God, and he thought it was very foolish to think that God would become a man just to communicate with people. He just couldn't get that concept. And it was Christmas Eve, and his family did believe, and they were going to church to a Christmas Eve service. And they went to church, and he sat at home reading his newspaper. And all of a sudden, he heard thumping against the window, thump, thump, thump. And he looked in the living room, and here some birds in a snowstorm had flown into the window of his living room, thinking they could get to safety. But of course, the glass prevented that. And he looked and saw these birds with broken wings and dazed, you know, dazed birds in the ground outside in the snow. And, and he thought, well, I need to do something. So he runs around and opens up his garage and he goes out to the front by his living room window and he tries to get the birds to go in the garage where they would be safe, but they wouldn't go. They were afraid of him. They ran. And at that moment, he thought to himself, if I can only become a bird for a moment, I could explain to them their safety in the garage. And while he thought that, the bells in the church rang on Christmas Eve about the birth of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who was the Word, the Word made flesh, the Word that dwelt among us, lived that sinless life, and paid the price for our sin on the cross of Calvary. 
So as we go back to the book of Mark and we take a look at verses 17 and 18, there's the misconception of this rich young ruler. First of all, he says, good master. But Jesus is more than just a teacher. He is God. I just read last week about the faith of Islam, and they are promoting now that Jesus was a real person, but they're promoting him as a real teacher. In fact, there's references in their literature about Jesus, but they don't consider him as God. They just consider him as a teacher. That is a misconception. Remember, a misconception is a view or opinion that is incorrect because it is based on faulty thinking or understanding. Yes, Jesus is more than a teacher. He is God. The second misconception that the rich young ruler had that was hindering him from salvation is found in verses 19 and 20. Salvation is more than just keeping the law. Salvation is more than just keeping the law. We read these words. Thou knowest, verse 19, the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Now it's interesting, if you were to look at this young man, you would say this was a good boy. I think any parent would have been proud to have him as a son. He seemed to be doing things right. I mean, he was young, but yet he was a ruler and, and he was rich. He knew how to lead. He knew how to manage money. And according to what we're reading in verse 19, he lived a pretty exemplary life, didn't he? But he missed something. And what he missed was this. The law does not bring us salvation. And keeping the law does not bring us salvation. The law actually reveals our sin. And as the law reveals our sin, then we see our need for a savior. You say, well, I don't see all that in those two verses. I, I see the idea of him running through those commandments and saying, a master, uh, all these have I observed from my youth. Now you'll notice this time he didn't call him good master, right? Remember he called him good master in verse 17, but when Jesus said, well, there's none good but God, this time he just calls him master. I don't think he got that first misconception clarified. I don't think he saw Jesus as God yet. Now, when you take a look at verse 20 then, and he says, master, all these have I observed in my youth. The Lord commends him for that. That's a good thing, but it's not good enough. Uh, notice what it says in Galatians. I'll just read a couple of verses to you that'll explain the purpose of the law. First of all, it's in Galatians chapter 2, and we begin reading at verse 16. Galatians 2, verse 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Now that's pretty clear, isn't it? The law does not bring us salvation, and the keeping of the law does not bring us salvation. It may cause us to look like a good boy or a good girl or a good man or a good woman, but it doesn't bring us salvation. What do we find? Well, it says in verse 20 of Galatians chapter 2, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, which loved me, Remember what he said to the rich young man, and gave himself 
for me. You'll also notice this in Galatians before we leave it, and that is in chapter 3, verse 24. It says, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. The purpose of the law is like a yardstick. It measures us. And when we measure ourselves according to the law, the Ten Commandments, let's say specifically, we find ourselves short. We find ourselves missing the mark. And as a result, then, it is the faith in Jesus Christ that gives us salvation. It is not the keeping of the law. It's so clear, isn't it? The law is our schoolmaster to teach us about our sin, but salvation comes through Christ. Again, Galatians 2.16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. Can't get any clearer than that. But by the faith of Jesus Christ, um, by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified, made right, by the faith of Jesus Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Well, going back to Mark chapter 10, this rich young ruler had a misconception. He thought that keeping the law would be okay. But you know, in his heart, he knew that wasn't true. Because he'd been keeping the law, he said that. Master, verse 20, all these have I observed from my youth. But then he also knew in verse 17, something was missing in his life. Master, what shall I do? What shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? I'm doing all these things, but I don't have that peace that I have eternal life. Well, you know, another thing I thought interesting in this study is when you take a look at verse 19, it talks about do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these things have I done from my youth. But that's not the full list of the Ten Commandments. In fact, the most important commandment that was affecting this young man's heart and showing that he was a sinner is the Tenth Commandment, Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. Do you remember it? Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Coveting, desiring riches, building riches. Uh, that was the 10th commandment. And you'll notice that the rich young ruler cuts Jesus off before he gets through that part of it, doesn't he? And, uh, and he stops him and says, now, wait a minute, I've done pretty good, haven't I? I've, I've got most of them right. But having most of them right doesn't make you right. Uh, sin is sin. Whether it's one commandment or 10 commandments, sin is sin, and there's a need for a savior. So the misconception number one, Jesus is more than just the teacher. He is God. And yet he says, good master in verse uh, 17, and he only calls him master in verse 20. Salvation is more than just keeping the law. The law reveals our sin, but the law cannot cleanse us of our sin. It's only by faith in Jesus Christ. And so then we see third misconception as we finish out our passage today. Obedience is more than just external actions or conformity. Obedience is more than just external actions or conformity. Listen to verse 21 and 22. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. I thought that was so special. Jesus doesn't think ill of him because he's mixed up and confused and has these misconceptions. Jesus is being patient. He's teaching him. And Jesus, because he's God, knows the heart of all men. And so he knows what's hanging this young man up. 
He knows what's causing him not to accept the salvation, that gift that Christ is giving. And he looks into his heart. And verse 21, he said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. You know, salvation is an inward attitude. Salvation is not an external action. This young man lived an exemplary life, but he was living an erroneous life because he was trusting in his riches. He was not trusting in the Lord. Now you say that sounds pretty critical to make that kind of accusation, and I know it sounds critical, but the Bible speaks of this, and I think it's a problem that many people face today. When you take a look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, it summarizes it very clearly. 1 Timothy and chapter 6 and verse 17 says this, Charge them that are rich in this world. There's nothing wrong with having riches. There's nothing wrong with having money. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded and trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. There's the problem. It's not wrong to have riches. I think most of you that I'm speaking to, they have riches. You've got money in the bank. You've got an automobile. You've got a home. You've got food. You've got clothing. We all have that. That's not, that's not wrong to have riches. But when you're trusting those riches and relying upon those riches more than you're relying upon God, it can be a stumbling block to keep you from salvation. We'll see that next week in our second part of this passage about the misconceptions of the disciples. But the rich young ruler had this problem. He was trusting in riches and couldn't give up those riches to trust in God. That's what we find in verse 22 because it says in Mark chapter 10, and he was sad at the saying and went away grieved for he had great possessions. I've written it up this way in my notes for us today. The rich young ruler led an exemplary life but lacked eternal life and he knew it. And the reason he lacked it is because he was trusting in riches, uncertain riches, by the way, that can be here today and be gone tomorrow. We've seen that this year, haven't we? These uncertain riches don't bring us salvation. What brings us salvation is what we saw in Galatians, that pure faith and trust in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we think about misconceptions, what do we think of? Misconception is a view or opinion that is incorrect because it is based on faulty thinking or understanding. And this rich young ruler had some misconceptions that he knew were keeping him from eternal life because he said that in verse 17, Master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? I'm lacking something. And Jesus says, well, first of all, you got to clarify the misconception. I'm God. Jesus is more than just the teacher. He is God. Secondly, you've got to clarify the misconception. Salvation is more than just keeping the law. The law shows you your sin. Jesus Christ saves you from your sin. And thirdly, the misconception that obedience is more than just the external actions or conformity. It's the inward attitude of the heart. When you put aside that which is hindering you from trusting Jesus, in your case, rich young ruler, it's your riches, and you follow him. 
You see, in verse 21, it's a great summary where he says, God, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast. He just knew this rich young ruler is going to have to get rid of these riches in order to fully trust and rely on him. He said, go thy way, sell whatever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, and here's an expression now, take up thy cross. Now, taking up the cross is the idea of taking up his life, giving his life over for God's life. In other words, I'm not living my life anymore, but the life I'm now living is God's life in me. I'm, I'm letting him live through me and be reflected in me. And you say, that sounds pretty radical. But remember what we read in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. For I am crucified, that's put to death, with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This rich young ruler had to get rid of that which was hindering his heart from coming to God, those uncertain riches, and give his heart to God. And as a result, let God live in him and through him. So that's what we see about the rich young ruler. And I, I have to ask myself the question, maybe you've had some of these misconceptions, or maybe you know someone that has these misconceptions. If so, have them tune into the podcast and maybe it'll help clarify it for them. But the Lord Jesus Christ Notice this in verse 21, Mark 10. He loved this young man. This young man was not saved. He was trusting in riches. Who knows all the stuff that was going on with him. But Jesus loved him. And he loved him enough to tell him the truth. And the truth was, Jesus is more than a teacher. He's God. The truth was, salvation is more than just keeping the law. And the truth was, obedience is more than trusting the external actions, and conformity. It's repenting of sin, trusting the Lord Jesus Christ, and living a life for him. Well, the rich young ruler, sadly, he went away in verse 22, grieved, for he had great possessions. The idea of the word grieved is the idea of very sorrowful, very, very troubled, very, very bothered. He went to talk to Jesus to get some peace, and he sure didn't get any peace, did he? because he had these misconceptions and didn't allow Jesus to clear them up for him, at least at this point. Maybe he did later. We don't have a record of it. But it's sad. He had the opportunity to understand that salvation is through Christ and Christ alone. And instead, he walked away grieved. Oh, don't let that happen to you. If you have a misconception that there's something you don't understand, something that you have faulty thinking about, Allow God's word to take away that misconception, teach you what is true, and follow after that truth. And especially if you're living your life of salvation for salvation right now, thinking the old philosophy of, well, my good will outweigh my bad, and, and when the Lord weighs it out at the end, my good will get me into heaven, my bad isn't really that bad. No, that's a misconception. That, that's the same thing the rich young ruler was facing. Salvation only comes to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we bow our heads and bow our hearts and confess our sin and ask him to save us, for God so loved not just the rich young ruler, but the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, put your name in there, believeth in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
I trust you'll not go away from today's session grieved, but I trust you'll go away from today's session happy because you have salvation and it is your treasure. And if you don't have your salvation yet, I pray that when we finish this podcast, you'll get on your knees and trust Jesus Christ as your Savior and have that joy. This has been from the Pastor Study with Pastor Marty Macedo. You may email me at macedofhmgmail.com. That's M-A-S-I-T-T-O-F-H-M at gmail.com. Lord willing, we'll post the second part of this lesson next week. But remember, the 13th disciple went away grieved following his conversation with Jesus when he should have remained happy serving his Lord. How have you responded to Jesus? Thank you for listening, and I trust you'll have a great day.